The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh blah dee, oh blah da. Ring! Oh man, this fucking thing. I used to hate this song, now I just dislike it. I must have mellowed out. Uh, it's just too corny. It's, it's awkward to hear Paul sing bra. Oh man. I think the low-key worst part about it is the bouncy bass. Boo, 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 boo. It gives the song an excuse to become an irritating earworm. Yes. I completely understand why the rest of the band basically wanted to kill themselves to get out of recording the song over and over again. <laughs> I do like the part when it's Desmond that puts on the pretty face instead of Molly. Otherwise, get this track out of my life. Yeah, Please. yeah. I, I can... I could stand to like not hear this song again, uh, but let, let's just call it what it is. It's a kid song. Like it's this is going to be the same argument I made with uh, with Yellow Submarine and uh, spoiler alert I'll make with Octopus's Garden. It's not for me, okay, and that's just fine. I am not the audience. I'm not the audience for this. Uh, what I am the audience for is the story about recording this song because it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Kind of sad, and it's another one of those the beginning of the end of the band stories. You're here for the hot goss. I'm here for hey man, I'm here for the Beatles hot goss. It's that's why you know. It, don't tell me that like I felt like a voyeur watching the Get Back movie. Sure. And I, I, did you did you feel the same way? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's like I I it felt very weird to be watching. I enjoyed the hell out of it, but you know. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just here for yeah. the goss. Did you, did you ever watch the show Kid Songs? No. We are the Kid Songs. All right, never mind. What, what was Written that? By Paul. No, hold on. What is that? It was, they did. It was the, like the original uh, Kids Bop. Oh, that's what like Kids Bop. But they did music videos too with kids of songs. Uh, I don't know how they got the copyright for all of them. It was on. Late eighties, early nineties. Okay. PBS, I want to say. Sure. Yep. I had VHS tapes full of kid songs. Do you remember any of the other songs? Nope. <laughs> I just just remember the theme song. I don't know what songs they did. I don't remember. Um, Anywho's this 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 song, if you call it that, was written by Paul in India in nineteen sixty eight. It was an attempt at a ska-influenced recording, although the title phrase came from a Nigerian friend. Ska? I thought Madness invented ska. The Beatles invented ska. Oh. If I call your name. Remember? Paul McCarty said, We went to a cinema show in a village where a guy put up a mobile screen, and all the villagers came along and loved it. I remember walking down a little jungle path with my guitar to get to the village from the camp. I was playing Desmond has a barrow in the marketplace. Obladio Bada was a phrase Bacardi had heard from a friend called Jimmy I'm not gonna pronounce try to pronounce his middle name, Scott Emukpor. Known as Jimmy Scott. 
whom he met in the Bag of Nails Club in Soho, London. Hey, Jimmy Bag of Nails. The title was said to be Orhobo for Life Goes On, but it was actually just a family phrase. Paul said, I had a friend called Jimmy Scott who was a Nigerian conga player who I used to be in the clubs in London. He had a few expressions, one of which was Obladi Oblada, Life Goes On, brah. I used to love this expression. He sounded like a philosopher to me. He was a great guy anyway, and I said to him, I really like that expression, and I'm thinking of using it. And I sent him a check in recognition of the, that fact later, because even though I'd written the whole song and he didn't help me, it was his expression. It's a very me song in as much as it's a fantasy about a couple of people who don't really exist. Desmond and Molly. I'm keen on names tune too. Desmond is a very Caribbean name. Yes. The character Desmond in the lyrics from the opening line was a reference to reggae singer Desmond Decker, who had recently toured the UK. Mm-hmm. So now here's the actual story about Paul paying Mr. Scott. After the release of Obladi Oblada in November 1968, Jimmy Scott tried to claim a writer's credit for the use of his catchphrase. McCartney said the phrase was just an expression, whereas Scott argued that it was not a common expression, it was used exclusively by the Scott family. McCartney was angry that the British press sided with Scott over the issue. According to researchers Doug Sulpey and Ray Schweingart, in their study of the tapes from the Beatles' film rehearsals at Twickenham Film Studios in January 1969, McCartney complained bitterly to his bandmates about Scott's claim that he stole the phrase. Later in 1969, while in Brixton Prison awaiting trial for failing to pay maintenance to his ex-wife, Scott sent a request to the Beatles asking them to pay his legal bills. McCartney agreed to pay the amount on the condition that Scott abandoned his attempt to receive a co-writer's credit. Hmm. Worked out for Paul, I guess. I guess so. John Lennon, by this point infatuated with Yoko Ono and addicted to heroin, hated working on Obladi Oblada. He described the song as Paul's granny shit. McCartney's insistence in re-recording the song a number of times with different arrangements didn't help matters, and the process contributed to the fraught atmosphere and dominated many of the White Album sessions. Balance engineer Jeff Emmerich quit the sessions the day after Obladi was completed. <clears throat> this is uh, from Jeff Emery's book. Paul, can you try rephrasing the last line of each verse? George Martin asked in his gentle, slightly aristocratic voice. George had sat shoulder to shoulder alongside me all these years for the happier times of Revolver and Sgt. Pepper, but now he was struggling, out of his depth, and he was still trying to do his job, still trying to steer his charges toward increased musical sophistication and help push them to their best performances. If you think you could do it better, why don't you fucking come down here and sing it yourself? Paul snarled as he whipped off his headphones and glared up at the control room. The bloody sing it again, he yelled over to talk back, causing me to wince. I give up. I just don't know how better to help you. Awkward. If the recording process was fractious, the Beatles' version sounds unusually high-spirited. The line, Desmond stays at home and does his pretty face, was sung accidentally by McCartney and left in. This mistake was retained because the other Beatles liked it. The backing vocals were also full of fun asides. Listen now for Lennon and George Harrison singing arm and leg after the line Desmond lets the children lend a hand. Oh, man. Harrison could also be heard saying the word foot in the final verse, and McCartney sings Molly lets the children lend a hand. 
The Beatles spent around 42 hours completing Obla Di Obla Da. Recording began on Wednesday, July 3rd, 1968, although the song was subsequently remade twice. On the first day, the rhythm track was recorded with Paul on acoustic guitar and Ringo on drums. McCarty overdub vocals and more guitar ought to take seven before deciding take four was better and then guitar to that two. More overdubs were followed on July 5th. On July 8th, however, the Beatles scrapped the recordings the day to began a remake. A dozen takes were recorded with the group playing live. The lineup was McCartney on fuzz bass, Lennon on piano, Harrison on acoustic guitar, and Starr on drums, with the session taking place after the band attended a press screening of Yellow Submarine. By this point, Lennon had grown tired of recording the song. He reportedly came into the studio under the influence of drugs, sat down at the piano, and banged out the introduction on the keys. This is Jeff Emmerich talking. Paul was something of a perfectionist by this point, but he also, also had to have been upset about the way John had been acting. I couldn't help but think that perhaps that had, that had something to do with why he was so fussy about the recording of the song. Maybe he did that just to annoy John, just to teach him a lesson. Throughout the preceding weeks, I had noticed that John's behavior was becoming increasingly erratic. His mood swings were more severe, and they were occurring more frequently. That was definitely the case with the recording of Obla Di Obla Da. One morning, he'd be into it, acting the fool and doing his fake Jamaican patois. Oh, boy. The next minute, he'd be sulking and grumbling about how the song was more of Paul's granny music shit. You never knew exactly where you stood with London at any given time, but things were definitely getting worse. So when Paul announced several nights later that he wanted to scrap everything that had been done so far and start the song again from scratch, John went ballistic. Ranting and raving, he headed out the door with Yoko trailing closely behind, and we thought that we'd seen the last of him that evening. But a few hours later, he stormed back into the studio, clearly in a highly altered state of mind. I am fucking stoned, John Lennon bellowed from the top of the stairs. He had chosen to make his entrance through the upstairs door, presumably so that he could quickly gain the attention of the three startled beals below. Swaying sli slightly, he continued, waving his arms for emphasis. I am more stoned than you have ever been. In fact, I am more stoned than you will ever be. And this, Lennon added with a snarl, is how the fucking song should go. Unsteadily, he lurched down the stairs and over to the piano and began smashing the keys with all of his might, pounding out the famous opening chords that became the song's introduction. A very upset Paul got right into Lennon's face. For a moment, I thought fists might fly. Okay then, John, he said in short clip words, stirring his deranged bambi straining eye. Let's do it your way. As angry as he was, I think that deep down inside, Paul was flattered that his longtime collaborator had given the song any thought at all, <laughs> even though he had obviously done so while getting out of his skull. Classic. Uh-huh. That is some good goss. Very good goss. So whenever I hear the beginning, I, I smile a little bit, because I know it comes from a fun place. A fun place. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't realize it was a competition about how stoned one could possibly be. Well, it's not a competition because John won. That's right. And nobody could top him. <laughs> the lyrics of George Harrison's White Album track Savoy Truffle include the lines, We all know Obladi, Oblada, but can you show me where you are? Like Lennon, Harrison had been vocal in his dislike of Obladi, Oblada. According to music journalist Robert Fontenot, the reference in Savoy Truffle was Harrison's way of conveying his opinion. A McCartney song, possibly. Mm-hmm. Obladi Oblada is often the subject of ridicule. 
in 2004 was included in Blender Magazine's list titled 50 Worst Songs Ever. It was voted the worst song of all time in an online poll organized by Mars. That would be the confectionery company. What? Um, yeah. I don't know why they... Why, but... Okay. I d- can't argue with the results. No. McCartney's hope was for the song to become a Beatles single. Of course. Although this was vetoed by the others, obviously. <laughs> Instead, the Scottish group Marmalade took it to the top of the UK chart at Christmas 1968. And Paul was vindicated. <laughs> Aside from Marmalade, two other acts achieved hits in Europe with the song. In 1968, a recording by The Bedrocks, a West Indian band from Leeds, peaked at number 20 on the record retailer chart. In a discussion at Twickenham Studios in January 1969, Paul and his girlfriend Linda Eastman said they both liked The Bedrocks' version best out of all the cover versions up to that point, including a recent single by Arthur Conley. Happy Mondays included Desmond, which used part of the melody from Obla Di Obla Da on their debut album, Squirrel and G-Man, 24-Hour Party People, Plastic Face, Can't Smile, White Out, released in 1987. Eat your heart out, Fiona Apple. That is, mm-hmm. that is, a, that is an album title. That's a good joke. Partly through the involvement of Michael Jackson, who owned the Beatles' Northern Songs catalog at the time, the track was removed from later pressings of the album because of the strong similarity. They were doing you, he was doing you a favor. Happy Mondays. A child of a version of Obla Di Obla Da by Patti Lapone and the Castle of Life Goes On was the theme tuned for the 1989-1993 drama of that name on ABC in the United States. I do not remember that show at all. Did you watch um, the movie uh, yesterday? They closed the movie with a cover of this where he's singing it oh, with no. a bunch of school kids. Oh boy. Oh boy's right. Love Count Zero, Josie Scale, big old Josie. Yeah, this is a big Josie. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.